Welcome back to the Pretty Soul Podcast. It's Jayani, your host, and I'm so excited for this episode, you guys. I've been waiting for a while to be able to talk about one of my favorite subjects, astrology, with all of you. And I have on an amazing guest that I'm really excited for you guys to all meet and get to know. So I basically found her on Twitter, and I feel like if you guys are into astrology or you like follow Twitter accounts related to astrology, you've probably seen her tweets by now because she's pretty big on Twitter. Anyways, I just wanted to um, have her come on and share all of her amazing insights and knowledge and wisdom with us for this episode. So welcome, Amy from Starheel. Hi, it's great to be here. So your Twitter handle is at Starheel, right? Yes. Yeah, I followed you on Twitter for like a while. Like back in the day when I first got into astrology, I was like obsessed with it. Like literally like all I ever like talked about or, or watched or whatever so I used to follow you a lot back then and like just see all your tweets and I'm like she just knows so much and like oh, so you've been well, a long time follower yeah and a lot that's of it awesome. would resonate and I'd be like oh that's so freaky so I'm just happy to actually have you on the podcast it's so exciting well, I'm <laughs> honored to be here thank you for asking me yeah you're so welcome so um I'm really excited about this conversation because I feel like astrology is such a fascinating thing like a fascinating subject and then like I don't even know what to call it a modality it's not it's like something to me that I feel like is very existential so it's more than just like a modality but um I just felt like a lot of my listeners are probably into astrology or are curious about it so I just want to kind of ask you questions we're gonna have a conversation about like basically what astrology even is but before we do that I just wanted to hear kind of your background you know how you got started in us astrology and became an astrologer and like how that passion started for you well it actually started later in life um, in my 20s around my Saturn return um, I really started um, I was having a difficult time and I went to get an astrology reading or look at astrology readings but I thought at the time they were too expensive so I was like you know what I'm gonna teach myself the stuff and I have a background in psychology, so I kind of like to dig deep into things and research and stuff like that. So I found it really interesting, but I, I didn't really know if it was true or not. So I was a little skeptical at first. So yeah. I would um, learn a little bit, and then I would observe things, learn a little bit and observe things. And then after about six months of observing and learning, I was like, wow, this is real. This is so real and true like it so from then on out I was a complete believer um in astrology so basically astrology kind of came to me because I didn't really seek out to be an astrologer it was just for me learning as, as I learned I realized that I could perhaps do this Wow, that's so yeah. interesting. I love that it was during your Saturn return too. I have questions about that later, but um, yeah, it was really but, organic, yeah. like very organic process. Because if you'd have told me when I was eighteen that I would be an astrologer, I would have laughed and been like, "No way," you know. So <laughs> it's just interesting how it unfolded. 
Right. So. Were you spiritual in any other ways before yeah. then? Or? Yeah, actually, it's interesting because um, I grew up in a very religious family, Baptist, and I was made to go to church every Sunday. So um, I always went to church and I was baptized and all of that. And I always believed in God, but I never really knew, like, and I never really was certain, like, when you die, what happens? Do you just die? Or, like, is there really an afterlife type of thing? And I would, didn't really know. I didn't have that passion and belief in me. Um, mm -hmm. And then I had an incident where the preacher in one of my churches got arrested for um, having hidden cameras in the church. So oh it kind of turned me off from religious that was in my early 20s so that it turned me off from religion then um but so when i wow. learned astrology what was so great about it is that i finally had a you know certainty that when you after you live this life that there's more to it there's more to life than just being here there's a purpose there's a connection so it made almost my belief and spirituality so much stronger even though i'd been going to church every sunday for years and years and years right i totally relate to that because i was a really radical quote-unquote on fire christian for nine years and i was as passionate about it as you could possibly be but i feel like once i kind of learned more about things like astrology i became even more like spiritual than i could have ever fathom mm -hmm. was possible and like yeah it really does open up a whole new world it's wild absolutely um, but yeah okay cool so what is astrology for the people who just have absolutely no idea what astrology is what's like astrology in your mind in a simple way to put it <laughs> well to me astrology is a way to understand things happening around you and yourself and other people mm -hmm. so just a way of explaining why things happen and having an awareness of yourself that's right. the simplest way i can put it such a complex thing it's hard to put in simple terms but i look at it as a way of understanding based off of birth stars the, yeah the stars um by looking at a birth chart um you can tell a lot about a person um by looking at their transits you can kind of tell what they're going through like, I'll give you an example. My dad, who doesn't believe in astrology, he goes to church every Sunday. He doesn't have a problem with it, but he doesn't believe in astrology. He is having Saturn square his son, and he's been complaining. I'm so, like, I'm overwhelmed at work. Like, they're spreading me too thin. And Saturn's son, that's a common thing, manifestation. So I understand, hmm. even though I haven't told my dad that, in my mind, I'm like, I know exactly why he's feeling this way. Saturn is square his son. And in January, it's going to ease up and he's not going to feel so overwhelmed. So it's like a way of understanding why people feel the way they do. And also events. Um, you can, like, America is having their Pluto return right now. So understanding why a lot of the events that are happening now are happening. Um, right. Yeah, so things like that. Okay, I have two, two things to say really quick with the... Pluto return that actually makes sense because we're having a lot of like isn't Pluto represent like the unconscious and like kind of the darker like absolutely it represents um what's hidden 
what's been buried deep and usually these things are uncomfortable things or quote taboo um so it's you know what's been hiding un under the covers so to speak right that makes so much sense with what we're going through right now yeah Is it america or the, or the world like america america is. itself and it's also transformation like death rebirth so tearing down or destroying the old and rebuilding anew Ooh, I love that. It just gave me chills. That's like so exciting because that's like what I, I feel like all of the mystics have been like anchoring that in that energy of, you know, rebirth and transformation and creating this new world. And so that's like so cool to know it's like an astrological thing, yeah. you know? Yeah, it's well, it's one thing we're having it for the world too, but then it's specifically hitting America's chart. So it's impacting America in a, a different way if that makes sense in a more wow yeah. yeah that makes sense yeah for sure but i feel like america also dictates the rest of the world in a lot of ways too oh, um, yes it's kind of like a catalyst yeah that's so cool it makes sense why stuff with like racism stuff that's been buried up buried under like the collective unconscious is coming mm -hmm. up with like racism there's a lot of stuff coming up with like the government and the elites and the pedophile rings and all this like really dark stuff that's just been hidden that's like coming to the I believe it's ancestral karma too. Like that stuff comes back up because you don't mm. live long. A person doesn't live long enough to have a Pluto return because it right. happens. I think every two hundred and forty-eight or fifty years, something. I can't. It's something like that. But um, so I believe that the Pluto return has to do more with ancestral karma, and so what uh, happened yeah. back then is coming back to us now. To to face and deal with, if that makes sense. That actually makes perfect sense. I think that's a good explanation for the people who are like, well, why do I have to deal with some, or why do I have to, um, what do I, why people always say, why do I have to be held accountable for something my ancestors did? It's like, right. <laughs> yeah, well, it's true. It's coming back up and it's for a reason and um, it's karma, it's plain and simple. Yeah, that's so interesting. There's another astrologer I listen to uh, named Robert Ohado. I don't know if you know him, but um, he's been doing this for like, I think 20 years or something like that. And anyways, he was saying how I watched a video from him last year, December 2019, saying how spring of 2020 was going to be like a huge, like a lot of karmic stuff is going to start to happen. And he like said, like predicted so much stuff that was like spot on of like how it's going to be like a mountain of things for us to deal with karmically, like individually and collectively and all this stuff. Yeah. And I was just like looking back, I'm like, wow, that was so spot on. Yeah. Anyways, I was sorry, just going to say, um, so I know we're all dealing with the COVID situation, but I also think that America is going through, like, uh, I think we're slowly going through a fundamental change right now that right. progress is being like, we're in, we're in it right now where progress, we're, we're going to look back in history and say in 2020, this really started the way we are now, like a change, a transformation, mm -hmm. a better, mm -hmm. an evolution. Um, mm, I love that. Yeah, yeah. I, I intuitively felt that. So it's like cool to know, like astrologically, it like lines up. But I mean, it makes sense because everything lines up. Like, I feel like spiritually, but um, okay. So when we're talking about like astrology, like personally, what's like the key things to look for, like in your chart, that's like the most important? Okay. Well, you always want to look at your sun sign and the moon and the rising sign because those are what what's called the big three. And 
it's really a key to understanding like your basic temperament. Um, from there, you're going to want to look at, if you go to an astrology chart, you would want to look at any planets on angles first and then aspects between planets, which are what what's called like trines, squares, oppositions, things like that. But for the beginner, um, just knowing your moon, sun, and rising and just getting familiar with those uh, signs is a really uh is a very helpful way to understand yourself too without looking at a birth chart or having an astrologer read your chart gotcha so what does your moon mean your your rising and your sun people who don't know okay so your moon is what nurtures you it represents your home your family motherhood how you nurture um what makes you feel safe emotionally um it's like your little private inner world and um, the rising sun is actually your physical self, your appearance, your personality, how you come across to others and see the world. And then your sun is your ego, your spirit, your identity, your creative purpose. So those are the three. And so the sun would be expressed through a specific sun. And then, so your moon is in a sign that sun gives you a clue of how, like I said, you want to be nurtured or how you feel safe. So that's how you kind of decipher those things. Okay. I want you to do an example of yourself and then I'm going to tell you mine. And I would like to know what you, what you think about, like, just okay. from hearing my sun, moon, rising, but just share, share, if you don't mind, like sharing like your sun, moon and rising and what that kind of means for you. Well, I'll share, I'll, I'll do my sun because that's the most obvious. Well, I have sun in Aquarius in the fifth house. So sun is your creative self, you know, self-expression, what you need to move towards your ego and, you know, identity. And in the fifth house is, um, is also the house that ruled by Leo, which is the sun. So it's creative self-expression. So basically I have the sun in the house of creative self-expression. So in Aquarius, what that means is expressing myself and, unconventional ways like for instance astrology is uh, ruled by Aquarius so mm-hmm. me having the sun in the fifth house shows that I create you know astrology you can boil it down to that the the sun f- colors the planet energy if that makes sense hmm that is so interesting. I feel like, yeah, it's so tactical because it gives, yeah, it gives it very is. specific information. Right. So if like, it's easier. Okay. So I'm a moon and Sag. So what nurtures me is learn because Sagittarius is higher learning, um, being optimistic, um, just travel, things like that. So for me, what, I find nurturing and what I often turn to when I'm, you know, need that is astrology or something where I can learn or travel. Mm -hmm. So, and it also matters the house it's into. It's very technical. It's like a three layer process. Kind of have to go through to delineate it. Yeah. Which means to like explain it. Yeah. I haven't (laughs) even gone into houses yet in my chart. Like I don't know them. What's your son's son? I'm a Taurus son and uh, Pisces rising and Libra moon. Okay. 
So a Taurus sun would crave stability. They would be very, um, have a lot, they would be very calm, steady, persistent at what, whatever they do. Um, and then you would need to express yourself um, in a tangible way. So something you can actually hold or see for Taurus since it's an earth sign. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And what do, do you have any other insights about the other two? Um, well, Libra moon. Yeah. Libra moon. Oh, so, rising. so Libra moon is being nurtured through partnerships and um, others. And you're also going to show you like a peaceful environment. You need harmony around you. You don't like a lot of conflict and bickering. You need things to be harmonious pretty if they can Libra's beauty. <laughs> I love it and um what, you said, what was the last one you said sorry Libra's beauty and then I was just gonna say again like relationships being able to bounce mm-hmm. ideas off someone else or just being in a romantic relationship as well and then Pisces rising Pisces rising are very difficult to grasp because that's just the nature of Pisces. So they can be very elusive, hard to pin down, um, and but also very uh, compassionate, empathetic, spiritual, and have a often have a connection to the unseen that a lot of other people don't experience. Very sensitive as well. So, um, but if you look at Pisces, so they come off to others, that's how they come off to others, elusive, um, et cetera. But usually their appearance, you can tell uh, sometimes by the sun, a lot of times Pisces have really big eyes. Mm -hmm. Um, They say, oh, those are Pisces eyes. Like people always um, uh, discuss or debate what Tupac's moon sign is, is if it's either in Pisces and Aries. Uh-huh. And I say Pisces for a lot of reasons, but one of the one of the reasons is you can tell by his eyes. If you uh-huh. look at his eyes, he has Pisces eyes. So <laughs> yeah. That is so interesting. Yeah, I remember watching well actually everything you just said, by the way, definitely resonated. And it's funny that you said pretty and beauty because my my podcast is called pretty soul and I literally like am all about like like especially even even with my apartment like everything's like I'm trying to decorate now and it has to be like beautiful and like luxurious it can't just be like plain (laughs) that makes total sense Taurus is all about luxury and what's nice and see your um Taurus and Libra are ruled by Venus so you're actually very Venetian and that Mm -hmm. would make a lot of sense so you have both those. Venus has um, two suns under it, Taurus and Libra. So you're a oh, girl. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And when you said about um, I'm extremely sensitive and like very, very spiritual, I've always been very spiritual. And I consider myself a mystic, actually. That's like what I really consider myself more than anything. Um, so yeah, definitely like into spirituality, I feel like in a way that I feel like a lot of people would just probably think I'm oh weird like a lot of people that have been around me and throughout my life have just been like whoa like you're just like out there you know what I mean yeah because you can feel it you can feel the connection other people don't get it like a Pisces does or someone heavily connected to the Neptune which rules Pisces realm so that makes complete sense 
that you would well, be I that watched, way. Yeah, I watched this video once on Pisces Rising, um, and it said that Pisces Rising children, not typically, but like it's common for them to die like before like they're very like they like they can die sometimes at a young age because basically um, Pisces Rising is basically like you have a hard time having boundaries because you just are so in tune with like the the oneness type energy of Pisces that you can bleed into other people and you're like very easily you can be as a child very easily taken advantage of and like um just kind of like take on other people's energies or whatever and there's a lot of trauma and stuff like that and that's was literally my childhood to a T so that actually really resonated but I never thought about it what it's like you know what the implications are like sometimes people can die from that and I'm like looking back on my child and I'm like I should have died so I don't know how I did it maybe it was like the inner like Taurus like stubborn part of me that was like no I have a will to live and I'm gonna stay but like it blew my mind I was like everything she said was like actually really resonant and I was like wow that's crazy wow but, yeah I haven't heard about the dying thing but everything else yeah yeah I mean Spot she didn't on. say it, not to be like scared if you have Pisces rising it just it's just basically it was just like um but I understand what you're saying you're it. Yeah. yeah yeah but um okay cool so basically so with your birth chart it's taking the day and the time and the location of where you're born to say to see like this is how I understand it to see where the planets were exactly when you were born which basically informs who you are like what makes you who you are yeah, it's like a blueprint for your life. And um, as the transits and planets move around, especially your outer planets that move really slowly, like Neptune, Uranus, and Pluto, when they activate parts of your birth chart, then that part of your life is activated as well. Um, but you live your birth chart um, every day. It's, it's your blueprint, but it also kind of shows you how things are going to unfold um, in your life when you look at it with transits that are happening. So, the transits are where the planets are now in the sky. Gotcha. So looking so at where the planets are now compared to where the planets were when you were born. Gotcha. So the planets that where you were born just gives you a blueprint for like you, but then like the transits are like kind of what you keep up with. Yeah. To, to kind okay. of, that's more of the predictive part. So like I would explain it as the birth chart is more like self-awareness, psychological understanding. That's what you would use that for. Like yeah. the, mm -hmm. the best the blueprint of you and it shows your strengths, your weaknesses, potentials, etc. And then the transits, that's more predictive like what's what might happen how this or that might play out but the transits do relate to the birth chart because something can't happen that's not in the birth chart do you know what i mean like the birth chart has to have like someone's going to be famous for a transit to make it not that there's a specific thing that says that but there are indications for instance that say someone's going to be very well known but in the transits come around and they may activate that so it's more yeah that's the kind of the so, predictive versus like psychological understanding but you could have like the potential in your chart to be famous but like it may not happen for you till a specific time when the transit happens yeah that's yeah so, that's right. so what's like the what's the indicator of like someone being famous just curious i'm like fascinated by this there's a lot of signatures to what you can see 
in a chart. But what I would look for is planets on the midheaven, especially like North Node, um, Pluto, Jupiter, things like that, because the midheaven is the um, most public angle of your chart. And then mm -hmm. I would also look for planets on the, the rising, the ascendant, because that means attention is being brought to you and that energy is going through you as a person. So those are the two places I would I look for is um, the midheaven rising and then also the north node. So if someone has like moon conjunct north node on the 10th house, then I would say you're going to do very well publicly. Now that might mean they're public, you know, relatively public, or it could be, you know, the whole country. I don't know. That's gotcha. you know, the different levels. They're yeah. di exactly. They're different levels. Yeah. Cause that, that makes sense. How like, there's some people who are like Beyonce, everyone knows them. And there's some people that are just like social media famous. And there's some people who are just like underground in their community famous. You know what I mean? So that's, yeah. I've always had a feeling that I was going to be famous since I was very little. It makes me wonder, is that, it's like a transit type thing? I always wondered like about that with astrology. I don't know. I just find all of this so fascinating. I would love to see your chart and if you have um, where your North Node is. And then also, like I said, where your planets are on angles. I think that could tell. You'll have to send me your chart after the podcast and I'll look at yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah. My North Node I know is in Capricorn and my midheaven is in Sagittarius but I don't know the the like houses and degrees and all that and the aspect I don't know that at all so I would love to know your thoughts but anyways okay so I have another question about okay so we have your moon sun rising is there any other so I personally like the ones I know about are Saturn return so does your Saturn really matter like like I know we have our well first of all I wanted you to explain what a Saturn return is and then like what role does Saturn play I guess in your chart with that okay so the role Saturn plays in your chart is he's the disciplinarian the taskmaster what keeps you in bounds um, what keeps you from going too far whereas Neptune has no boundaries Saturn is boundaries it's authority mm -hmm. things like that where you need to kind of shape up in your chart mm -hmm. and it also can explain where you might feel lack or doubt because Saturn can be kind of pessimistic. So also where you need to build up your, um, your worth, feelings of worth. So oftentimes where Saturn is, people feel lack there, but eventually they work with it and then they become a master of wherever it is in their chart around the time of their Saturn return if they've been doing the work. Um, so Interesting. yeah, and doing the work can mean different things for different people. Um, but your Saturn return happens every, to everyone between 28 and 30. And it's basically a time of when, of stepping into your adulthood where you cut ties with things that are no longer serving you people, jobs, places, and you really reflect on your life and how, where you, what you've done with your life so far. And a lot of people get to that point and are like, are very unhappy and dissatisfied and they just kind of freak out. What am I going to do? And that's part of what the Saturn return is and why people find it challenging because it puts you through this test of uncertainty. But eventually what happens is 
you you work hard and it will point you in the direction of where you need to go like if something is going to work for you if it's your purpose it's going to happen at your side in return if that that mm. business that you want to open it's, it's probably going to happen at your side in return. That promotion that you've been working for might happen at your side in return. The degree that you've been trying to earn might happen at your side in return. So it's these things that require hard work and discipline, but at the end of the day, you get a tangible reward for or accomplishment for. Gotcha. So, yeah. So it can be difficult for some people because they can experience um, a lot of loss and a lot of feeling like, wow, I'm, you know, this age and what have I done with my life? And it's a time of really getting serious and doubling down on figuring out what you're going to do with yourself. Right. I've heard people describe that your time to turn as like your actual coming into adulthood, like seriously. Yeah. Yep. It's to me, well, some people might not believe this, but to me, I don't think your chart can fully resonate with you until you hit about your Saturn return. Like, I think it may like some places resonate a little bit, but I think you're not fully like understanding what your chart is until about your Saturn return, like understanding the energy in your life. It's really interesting how... That makes a lot of sense, actually, because I I, I started this uh, podcast on my birthday this year, and um, that was back in April. All this stuff started changing, and it just had like this like flow and this life behind it that maybe in the past I would try certain things, they just didn't feel ready or time yet, or just like I wasn't ready or something like that, like I wasn't mature enough. And now I feel like there's like a push for me to like put myself out there and like so I guess that probably makes sense of what I was saying about the fame stuff too. It's like, I just never fully, I felt like I needed to grow or heal a lot more before I was like really ready to kind of be more out on the forefront of my life. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. With like, you know, career type stuff. So that makes sense actually what you're saying. And yeah, I do feel spiritually like the most mature and understanding of myself than I've ever felt. Wow. Yeah. Um, I was also um, going to say that, um, so you have a second Saturn return 28 years after, like you're 56, 57, 58 years old. And mm -hmm. I actually know someone who's going through that Saturn return. Um, so just to go back a little bit, what you start at your Saturn return, like the seeds are starting now with your podcast. These are what, this is what's going to grow over the next 28 years. So th mm -hmm. this, what I see a lot of, of people when they're having their Saturn return is they start planting these seeds of what they're passionate about. Mm -hmm. And then that, it, that. And they commit to it. And once they're committed to it, it grows if over the next 28 years and it'll still be in your life. And then you'll come to your second Saturn return and you'll review again. So I know someone who's at their second Saturn return and so they've worked all this time in a field and now they're feeling like, do I want to li keep living in the city? Do I want to move somewhere else and, you know, be more relaxed and, um, you know, not have so much stress around me? Like they're questioning their life. Like what do they want to retire, when they want to retire and, you know, right. what, where they want to live, if they want to move and things like that. So it, it, it's really interesting to see the different levels that it happens on. Um, yeah, no, is it, isn't that your your midlife crisis 
what people call your midlife crisis? Actually, that's something different. That's your Uranus opposition when Uranus opposes your natal Uranus. And that happens, I believe, at 42. I think I tweeted hmm. about Kanye. He's having his right now. It's when you kind of throw caution to the wind and are like, screw it. I'm doing the, my thing now. Like you see the man <laughs> getting the crazy fancy car type thing. They just kind of do unpredictable things that they may have um, just like been too shy or did not the balls to do. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Interesting. But it, it's that a very so life changing transit as uh, well. I would say it's the next most important one after the Saturn return would be, I would say the Uranus opposition. Oh gosh. I don't even know what mine's going to be. I don't even want to know. I'm like, let's just, I'm, I'm 29. I just turned 29 in April. I know I look like a, probably a teenager to a lot of people, but I'm like, I feel like I'm in a way, I feel like my life just started <laughs> because I feel like everything up until now was to get me to this point. And now I'm like, okay, now I'm actually starting the real work that I came here to do. Um, That's how it was for me too. Yeah. So it's really, Saturn returns are very powerful. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I, I definitely feel the power behind it. But I also feel the the kind of like masculine, like, like parental nature of it of like, okay, like, you know, now like now put it put what you know into action, like you don't have as much leeway to I feel like in my at least in my experience, I feel like I don't have as much leeway to basically act outside of what I already know I should be doing. <laughs> you know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Yeah, it's just like, I just like that time's over. It's like, and it's time to grow up, you know? Okay. So I wish I wanted to know about mid heaven. If you could speak a little bit more about that. Cause I found out about yeah. that kind of like in the last couple of years, I, I didn't really know much about it, but when I did see mine about uh, being in Sagittarius, and I read the description, it really resonated, but I just want to know more about it, I guess. So <laughs> yeah. So basically it's the um, highest part of your chart is that the very top is where, um, if someone was born at noon, the sun would be right at the top of their chart. So it's the most public piece of your chart. And for most people, that relates to their public role as what they do for a living. But it can also mm -hmm. be your, just your reputation or public reputation in general or how people see you publicly. But most often, um, you're going to find the midheaven involved in the career of uh, people for what they do. And also the midheaven shows some, it's debatable. Some say the father, some say the mother, but most say the father, the father influence. If there are any planets in the 10th, because the midheaven is the cusp of the 10th house. So um, it sh shows parental family things because um, the midheaven is opposite the lowest point of the chart, which is the IC. So they're opposite each other. And one of them's, one end is your home and family, and the other end is your public life and work life. So the mm -hmm. midheaven also has a lot of parental things involved with it as well as work and public life things. Mm. So for you and Sagittarius, you know, you would need something where you have some freedom, adventurous, um, like social media is definitely a Sagittarian thing, something where you can reach a really broad audience. Mm -hmm. um, 
like what you're doing now is Sagittarius. Social yeah. media, I would say Sagittarius and Aquarius. Um, My Saturn, I think, is an Aquarius. Yeah, see, there you go. <laughs> yes, I'm right on point. I'm so excited. That's so encouraging. If I was um, doing your chart, I would also look to see where your Jupiter was, but I'm not. But just based on that, you know. It's I just, think my Jupiter's in Leo. Oh, yeah. Then that's this like creativity and being fun and doing your passion. And also Ooh, like so connecting good. with people um, like across the globe. Ooh, I love that. This is so exciting. I'm, I'm definitely going to have you read my chart because I just okay. like, I, I've never actually had an astrology reading, reading before. Um, but okay. So yeah, I actually heard somebody else, another astrologer a couple of years ago in a video. I don't know if you would agree with this, but she said like midheaven is kind of like how you are on the internet. Do you think that that's true? Huh. I've never thought about it like that. Um, I don't know. Just because it's like public, I guess, image or something? Yeah, I don't know. I can see that. I can see that. I haven't ever thought about that, but I could see that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the reason why it, it made sense to me is because I know that in person I'm very soft and like, like very like almost – I wouldn't I don't know I'm just very like tender in person but on the internet I know I come off so fiery and so aggressive that I'm like people probably think I'm like such a bitch like in real life or something because the way I I'm just so like fiery I can't help it like it's like I just have to say things just how they are on social media well Sagittarius is very blunt that's one thing because I have a moon (laughs) in Sagittarius and people are always like you're so direct and I'm like Yep, pretty much. It's just a Sagittarius <laughs> thing. Like, we're not, like, making everything drawn out. We're just going to tell you straight up how it is. Like, that's Sagittarius. Exactly. Yeah. I'm like, why are we playing games? Let's just cut to the chase. That's, like, kind of how I am on this podcast. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, I don't know. It's like, I just, like, I like to just be really raw and authentic. But I just it, think that's funny. It, my <laughs> midheaven is in Cancer. And it's really funny because um, Cancer is all about, you know, nurturing others and, Mm-hmm. Um, you know, being like a mom to others almost. And like, it's funny because people call me like their astro mom and things like that. It's Aww. just very interesting how, you know. Oh, oh that makes sense. Out. Yeah. It's yeah. Like, Cause you're kind of like nurturing people on their spiritual journey. And yeah. And my midheaven answers to my Sag moon. So it, it answers to that Sagittarius, like spirituality and, putting stuff out on the internet and things like that yeah love that um i'm curious to know about lilith and if you know much about that and also i want to talk about relationships for a second too okay so lilith i am not super well versed about i do know like I've, i've done some reading about her and looked at her in my own chart and it seems she's they call it the wild feminine or the untamed feminine where mm-hmm. um, there's can be anger or jealousy or um, backlash because Lilith was Adam's first wife and was thrown out of the garden of Eden. And so she was, you know, very angry and it represented all this feminine energy that people are basically frightened of, whether that's because of a patriarchal society or not, but that's what it represents that uh like sexual or bitchy you would say feminine energy that's what they would how you would 
kind mm. of where you don't um, like have many limits where you kind of do what you want. And uh, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I can't remember which one mine is right now, but, um, but yeah, but isn't that one that's like a generational one? Like it's the same for everyone, every generation, or is that not true? I don't really know. Uh, no, Lilith changes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I was, I wasn't sure, but, um, interesting. Okay, cool. And then about relationships, like, and like relationships and sexuality, can you talk about that really quick with this, with your chart? How to, if you wanted to know more about what that meant for them. Okay. So yeah. So with sexuality, Venus and Mars are really big players, um, in sexual attraction. Um, so I would look for Venus Mars connections for that, but sexual attraction and astrology does, doesn't always mean there'll, it'll be a good relationship. It just shows there's some attraction there. Um, I would also look for Pluto contacts to maybe Mars or Venus um, because that would indicate uh, an intense attraction, a transformational relationship, um, very deep kind of uh, love. And let's see, those would be the main ones I would look for for sexuality. And there's also little asteroids you can use. Um, There's one, Eros that means like erotic so you can look Mm -hmm. for that for sexuality um but that's what i would those are the two things i mainly look at when i'm looking assessing that in a chart or two charts so what does venus and mars represent i know by one year oh sorry yeah venus (laughs) is um how you attract and what you attract it's what you find pleasurable it's how you express your beauty and what you like I said what you enjoy um and it's how you are in relationships and what like I said what you what you like and Mars is the action principle it's how you go about taking action and getting what you want it's all about you and getting your needs met is Mars very aggressive um it's that planet rules sex Mars, even though Pluto is sexual too, Mars, I would say is more of the sex planet in like a relationship chart. Um, but Mars is also mm-hmm. like the warrior and fighter. So you kind of have to Venus and Mars balance each other out because Venus is the diplomat and Mars is the warrior. So those are, that's the contrast. Interesting. Yeah. My Mars is in cancer. And I heard that like when Mars is in cancer, it's in quote unquote detriment. And I'm like, it's not like strong in cancer or something. So I never, I always took that to mean that my like action steps have to be done more intuitively and like femininely because when I try to be really masculine in a lot of ways with that, like it doesn't work for me. Like, I don't know if you can explain what Mars and cancer means. I'm so confused about it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's difficult for cancer to take direct action. They often like go about things um, like, like a crab, like kind of sideways because they don't, it's just their nature. They don't want to really put themselves out there directly. Mm -hmm. And so that's why, like, I think Mars is in its detriment there. And also cancer is emotional. And so it can make a lot of decisions that are based on, take action a lot based on emotions, which can be um, not, which I think is another reason why it's detriment. But I have Mars and Libra, which is also supposedly not 
good and I feel the same way you do about taking action um, is difficult to to when you do it makes you it's not doesn't feel aligned with who you are I don't know like if I get yeah. mad or angry it's hard for me to express that so I think people yeah. but what I'm trying to say is people who have a Mars and detriment may have trouble expressing those Mars principles like assertiveness. boundaries <laughs> yeah yeah assertiveness yes I'm like yeah that's literally my encrypt I I still have such a hard time asserting myself like when it's something especially when it's something that's like potentially causes conflict mm -hmm. yeah it's definitely tough Mars and Cancer um yeah that's a that's a difficult placement but um when people say they have planets in detriment, um, I don't really look too much into that because I think that you can make the sun and planet work for you even when it's, right. you know, I, I believe that. So, yeah, that's what I did. That's what I feel too. I always just made, I just looked at it to mean that I just have to be more aware of like taking things like being more in tune with my feminine energy when I'm taking action. That's yeah. Just kind of like and that's so what the great thing is about astrology is you're aware of like where your limits kind of are, where your weaknesses kind of are. So you can kind of, you know, do something about it and mm -hmm, com mm -hmm. compensate for that. Yeah. So that's awesome. Okay. So the next thing I wanted to ask you was something I found out about that was like kind of really eye-opening for me i had already been on a heal inner healing journey for a couple of years at this point and i was doing a lot of inner work where i would ask my emotions and sensations in my body like what they needed to, like what they needed me to know and i would like literally ask the feeling and then listen and i was practicing doing this because it was helping me because sometimes like at a certain point mentally trying to intellectualize or figure out what was wrong or why I was in pain just wasn't working anymore. So I'm like, let me go to the feeling, you know, let me go to the root and ask. So I started asking these questions. And one time I had this emotion say like, stop expecting the worst or something like that. And wow. um, yeah, and, it, and it, it didn't have anything to do with whatever had been triggered, but I worked through that feeling and it took me to all this whole like memory or whatever. And I like cleared a lot of stuff with that. And then later I found out about Chiron, which, uh, was basically like talking about like your core wound or whatever. And anyways, I found out that mine is really related to um, like worthlessness, abandonment, uh, like trauma, like rela like relational trauma um, and stuff like that. Like stuff that makes you feel like that on edge, like what's gonna happen kind of feeling. And it made sense. I was like, oh my gosh, that's so crazy. Cause my body literally told me that, but like it was cool to have like on a, in astrology, like an explanation behind that you know that wound or whatever so anyways can you speak about chiron yeah well i was first i want to say that's such a pisces experience you had with the the feeling and the getting that knowledge so that was really cool to hear um chiron is where you feel in your chart you can feel a, like you said wounded have past traumas about old memories painful things have happened related to where it is in your chart but mm -hmm. it's also where you can learn to transmute that pain by healing mm -hmm. yourself and mm -hmm. um, by doing that you this is where you can help heal others and serve as a right. guide for others so Chiron 
that's the more astrological meaning but also it has to do a lot just in general in a chart it'll show things about health mental health well and wellness emotional it can be any kind of health physical where you're working with doctors where you're doing like maybe astrology acupuncture any type of healing um, modality would fall under Chiron but at its core it's where you have these wounds that kind of don't go away you have to consciously attend to them through your healing mm, I never heard about it well I heard someone say that Chiron is basically the wound you have to heal yourself mm -hmm. that's like how she put it and mine is so hard mine's like really painful so I'm like do you know oh, what son is this myself it's in cancer okay okay I was gonna say mine's in Taurus and it has a lot to do with that lack of security feeling. And mine's in my seventh house, which is relationships. And that makes sense for me. <laughs> yeah, no, mine mine explained my entire life story, like in a, in a flash. I was like, wow. Mother wounds, uh, family wounds, <laughs> abandonment, all that kind of stuff. Worthlessness. I was like, yep, pretty much really like my wow. you know, all my deepest my deepest pain and trauma to a T, which in a way felt really validating to be like, okay, like there's a reason. Like I, like you know what I mean? That's what I like about this kind of stuff is at a certain point it's helpful because it gives you like a way of like, okay, I'm not crazy. Like <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. That is one of the biggest keys of astrology and it gives you the validation that no, I'm on the right path. I'm not crazy this is right for me you know so yeah that mm -hmm. validation yeah but then like how you said with the gifts um how you know it can turn into your gift you know that's what it's meant for is I feel like what I want to help people do is learn to love themselves and learn to have self-worth and learn to have like uh, a sense of just inner inner love and inner family within yourself and feeling whole and complete within yourself because it's like, you know, external relationships are great, obviously, and they're needed and we're human and like they're good to have. But I feel like sometimes you can get our validation too much from other people. So, and that's been my journey and that's still my journey to master that and alchemize that, that wound of getting validation of like my lovable, lovableness mm -hmm. from other people. Um, and yeah, so I've kind of been forced to like create my own sense of self-worth and, and love that's not dependent on other people. And now that's not something I'm really, really passionate about helping other people do. So it makes perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah. I would love to see your chart again. Again, I keep saying that, but yeah, I would love to see your chart. Um, I'm definitely going to send it to you. <laughs> um, okay. So the last thing that I wanted to ask you about that I'm really excited to hear you talk about is like your North node and South node. Um, Cause to me, this was like the most impactful life changing thing I ever heard about my chart that I was just like this is mind-blowing to me that this is like something that I can know and like have validation around um but so can you just explain what like your north node is yeah so well first let me say some astrologers believe it has to do with past lives the north and south right. node some believe it has to do with your past just in this life for me I believe in past life so I'll go from that um the north node is where you need to direct your energy in this lifetime for your soul's growth and mm -hmm. to fulfill 
your purpose and feel whole. Um, so that's where you look, the sign it's in and the house is in and any planets near it um, will tell you a lot about that. So for instance, say your Mercury, which is about communication, is conjunct your North Node. That would show you need to be writing, communicating, um, networking, doing those types mm -hmm. of things. But the thing is, your North Node is somewhere where you may not feel super comfortable because it's what's new. It's where mm -hmm. you you're inexperienced and green. Whereas your South Node is where you've been. It's your past. Mm -hmm. It's what you're used to. So what you're doing is you're moving from your South Node of what you're used to to the to this new path and this new journey to your North Node is where you need to go in this lifetime. Right. So basically like your North Node is like what you need to grow into and develop within yourself. And your South Node is like kind of what you have to kind of let go of. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's a point of release. And the South, the South Node is a point of release. The North Node is a point of intake. So um, when the North Node is transiting your chart and it transits a planet, a lot of times there will be an opportunity that comes around related to that planet and the house it's in. And it's usually very beneficial. Like it's, it helps you go in the direction that you need to go in for, you know, yourself to, yeah. to develop, as you were saying. That makes so much sense. And I feel like that's so helpful to know. Cause I feel like if you know nothing else about your chart and you just like follow your North node, I feel like you'll be on track at least for the yeah, most part. I agree with that. I totally do agree with that because you can't go wrong there. Like that's where you can't go wrong. And, um, also uh, planets conjunct your South node shows what you, you know, you need to move away from more in this mm -hmm. uh this lifetime so it kind of tells you what you are comfortable with but is not serving you right mm. yeah because it's kind of like i feel like your north node well i've heard it similar how you just said that i've heard it put as like it's kind of when you incarnated what you wanted to experience and grow into and mature into but it's like you're out of your comfort zone. So it's like you have to like kind of force yourself or work at it to get good at it. But it's like what's going to set you free when you actually – because I've heard someone else say, I'm not sure if it was the Leo King or what, but somebody was saying how like your south node's kind of like karmic in a way. It's kind of like if you live in the energy of your south node, like negative things will just like keep happening because it's kind of like the universe being like you need to let go of this energy kind of a thing. And then like your north node is kind of what like – helps you to stay on track with the universe. Does that make sense? Or I don't yeah, know you, I have Venus conjunct the South Node, so <laughs> that makes sense to me. Yeah, um, Venus <laughs> conjunct the South Node is not a good thing. But um, <laughs> yeah, your North Node is so – I have a North Node on my Midheaven, and that means that I need to go and be more public and put myself out there. And I'm not – I'm more of a private person person so for me that doesn't feel super comfortable but as soon as I got over that fear and started putting myself out there I started being more successful mm, yeah like, and I, t I take that as just doing the doing the Twitter thing it's putting myself out there as soon as I yeah. got into that kind of a role and was more you know quite public uh things started falling into place for me 
Yeah, because mine um, is in my north is in Capricorn and being focused on like career and success and providing for myself and, and being responsible and taking care of myself and like kind of being more in like structured in a way. Um, it's very hard for me because I'm so wa like I'm so like airy and watery that like I just like don't it's hard for me to maintain that and like I'm such a homebody <laughs> I just want to stay in bed all day which like is part of I know that there's aspects of that that like that's okay but there's other parts of me that I'm like I would get so in a comfort zone and it's like I've had to put myself out there like you said on social media and stuff like that in LA like you know going out and playing shows and just like putting myself in the energy of like what I want to do and going after that and being really like kind of out of my comfort zone in a way it's like it was a little bit scary but then it also gave me this like really fulfilled feeling as at the same time yeah yeah so yeah I feel like your north node is probably like where you're going to be the most fulfilled right Would you yeah say that? yeah yeah it's where things start falling into place for you when you start following your north node things start happening and falling things are easier they fall into place for you as regards to you knowing what your purpose is and feeling like you're on your path mm, yeah so look up your north node you guys if you haven't looked up so what would you say is like the most important things besides your assignment and rising that people should know i i feel like it's like your north node yeah chiron and saturn or midheaven maybe I would say the angles of the chart, which is your rising and midheaven are part of that. So the angles are very important. I would also say north node, but this is the part that's like kind of complicated. The aspects in your chart are very important. Like okay. if any planets making an opposition or a square or a conjunction, those types of things and those most, a lot of beginner astrology, astrology people don't really know like what that right. means or how to look at that so that is important to look at but if you're not looking at that um the, what you just said the north node the angles and the sun moon and rising are can help yeah. you get started give you a good start and foundation yeah i feel like from what i've gained over the years i got a kind of overall picture and foundation through learning about it for a couple of years and now i kind of want to get to the next level of understanding more like the aspects and the houses and that kind of stuff yeah i would encourage people to um like people all the time want me to look at their charts and on twitter or whatever and i don't do that because you know it's not fair to the people that pay for my services right but when they send me stuff they always send me this like this table and I'm like you, you have to get the wheel so I would encourage everybody to look at the wheel um, chart and learn mm -hmm. from there because it's more complicated and it looks like really overwhelming but once you start learning like what the, the symbols mean for the planets and the signs then it comes together you just have to memorize like what uh, certain symbols are you know right. like and once you do that, then you can read what the symbols are and um, be like, oh, that's Saturn. Oh, that's Venus. That's Virgo. You know what I mean? And mm -hmm. things start making a little more sense and you can read. Yeah. But I would encourage everyone to use the will to stay away from the tables 
Yeah. 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 Cause yeah, that makes sense. So isn't, um, really quick, I'm trying to ask you a quick question about the yod. I heard yods mean something significant. Do you know what that means? Yeah. So yods, um, I'm not super experienced with yods either, but, um, they're an, it's an aspect pattern that has a planet, um, at, it's called an apex. It makes a point in the chart. And what happens is it, when another planet transits across from it, uh, oftentimes these faded events will happen or unexplainable type events will happen in the person's life that makes a really big impact, but like they didn't see it coming. They didn't, it just happened. And this can be, you know, considered good or bad. Um, but it, it makes things a little like wonky in their life. I don't know how else to describe it. They're just like kind of, it's an unpredictable type uh, aspect and feels a little faded as well. Mm. So kind of like what an eclipse feels like, kind of? Because I heard eclipses are supposed to be faded events, kind of like forcing yeah. you into... Or what, yeah. what do you feel like eclipses are, actually? Okay, so for me, I think eclipses are like closing chapters of your life and opening, opening up new chapters that will unfold over six months and then over the course of like the however many years the eclipses um impact lasts um so for me like i think an eclipse is something that happens when you know sudden things when come to light like for instance you want to quit your job or an, a relationship might break up these events happen that kind of push you in a new direction or push you into a new chapter of your life without mm -hmm. you really trying. But oftentimes pe people aren't going to, I don't think people really are going to feel every eclipse super strongly unless it is um, aspecting their chart. And mm -hmm. I mean, they'll feel the energy, but they, my point is they won't feel it as strongly as someone who has the eclipse on their sun, for instance. Hmm. So it depends just, on where it falls in your chart, how big of an impact it has. Yeah, because we just had three eclipses in a row. And the second one, which I think was on June 5th, I believe, was the day I had a big friendship breakup out of, yeah. out of nowhere. Yeah, mine was when I'm, I moved um, during the, uh, I think, the, the one of the eclipses that happened. I decided on my move back to from new york to heat to north carolina because of all the covid and my lease was up yeah so yeah i made that decision during the um, eclipses the, yeah. and it was in cancer which is sign of home and family so that was interesting that kind of makes sense because the friendship breakup i had was the girl who used to be the co-host of this podcast she was basically like family to me in a way oh yeah Wow. wow, that makes so much sense. Wow, this is so wild. So do you feel like, okay, just to wrap things up, do you feel like astrology is basically kind of, like, you know, people say like, the stars are aligned or whatever. It's basically kind of the preset plan that quote-unquote God had for your life in a way. Like, But like, I don't think it's set in stone, though, right? Like, things can, you can change because you have free will, but. Well, I sure hope so, because my chart has some pretty bad aspects in it that would be considered bad. <laughs> so, yeah, I believe in free will. Yes, definitely. Um, but I do believe that a certain amount um, of your life is somewhat preplanned. 
but I feel like you have free will to go down different directions that might take you down different paths. But I believe you're put here for a purpose. So in right. one way or another, you're going to find that purpose and fulfill it. But how you get there and the experiences you have, maybe you may be able to navigate by free will more, if that makes sense. I, I really do feel like the big things that happen in your life um, are a little pre-planned, even though that's scary to a lot of people to hear. I think it's a mixture of both. Yeah, I would I say half and half. Yeah. I feel like it's probably bigger than we can even conceive of with our physical minds, but I say it that does sorry, sorry, go ahead. I was just gonna say I say that because there's definitely a pattern and to the universe that's very specific. Like once you learn astrology, you're like, Whoa, this is happening at this exact time and it happens over and over and over and over and you can see there is a pattern. So that's why right. I say that I believe some things are pre destined but I also believe that we are put here with free will to change our destiny too so that's just I just wanted to yeah work. yeah that's how I feel like to it but I feel like the free will we have is within the confines of the bigger picture but like to us it's free will like on a human level it feels like free will and there's infinite potentials even with just that but I feel like even in the bigger bigger picture it's not really <laughs> like to me I feel like it's like from God's perspective, it's probably not. But yeah. from our perspective, it's like, oh, I can make a million different choices, which is true. Does yeah. that make sense? Or am I being yeah. like really no, Pisces it, rising No, right it makes sense. <laughs> it makes sense because it all, like I said, it goes back down into your natal chart and your birth chart. And it all boils down to that, back to, you know, what we were talking about at the beginning. Wow. So interesting. Well, this was such a great conversation. I learned so much. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. My pleasure. Yeah, you're so welcome. Um, you guys, if you guys liked listening to Amy share, um, make sure to go check her out. Follow her on Twitter. Um, I want to let you share like where people can find you. if They want to get a reading from you and all that kind of stuff. Okay, yeah. I'm on Twitter at Starheel, S-T-A-R-H-E-A-L. And you can find my readings and um, at starhill.com. Okay, awesome. Yeah. Yay! Oh my gosh, this is <laughs> so great. I feel like I, yeah, I got a lot out of this. I hope you guys did too. Let me know your thoughts. Um, leave us a review. Please share this with all your soul sisters. And yeah, I just love to hear what kind of stuck out to you. If you learned anything about your chart and when you do go draw your chart, I would love to hear what you guys' north nodes are and like your all the stuff we talked about in this episode because I find it to be so fascinating. Subscribe if you haven't already and follow me uh, at Pretty Soul Podcast on Instagram. I'll see you guys in the next episode and I love you so much. Bye. Mwah. <laughs>